Good afternoon. You're listening to KRBX 89.9 FM in Caldwell and Boise. Uh, this is the Big Tent uh, Radio Show. I'm here. This is Corey Cook. I'm here with uh, Jen Schneider, and we're going to talk today with Sam Sandmeyer. Uh, Sam is joining us. Uh, was a longtime gymnastics coach at Boise State University. Has become involved with Reclaim Idaho, which is a grassroots uh, organization in in the state that has been uh, very involved, obviously, in the Medicaid expansion initiative, but also works on public lands and healthcare and education issues broadly in the state. Uh, Sam founded uh, Activate Idaho and serves on the land trust of the Treasure Valley's board. Board, and on the Idahoans for Healthcare Steering Committee. And so, Sam, we're, we're thrilled to have you here and to, to learn more about your work and about uh, Reclaim Idaho. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So maybe we could start um, with, uh, you know, some background. I mean, I, I, probably our listeners have, are aware of that there is a Medicaid uh, expansion initiative that's going to be on the, on the state ballot in November, but talk maybe a little bit about that effort and how it came about sure. and sort of where we are in terms of the process. Right. Well, um, the state legislature has uh, refused to accept federal funds that would expand Medicaid, and that has been an issue um, because it has left uh, people in the health care coverage gap, people who um, make too much to qualify for Medicaid but not enough to uh, qualify for tax credits that allow them to buy insurance on the um, the state health uh, exchange, Your Health Idaho Exchange. So many people have tried to solve the problem. In fact, uh, the governor uh, appointed two working groups to make recommendations. Um, in 2012, 2016, they both, I'm sorry, 2014, they both recommended unanimously expanding Medicaid, but the legislature continues to fail to act. So um, Reclaim Idaho decided to uh, do a ballot initiative and let citizens of Idaho decide um, to solve the health care crisis that was created by the refusal to accept these federal funds. And ballot measures are pretty difficult to qualify <laughs> here in Idaho. <laughs> yes, ballot measures are very difficult, especially since uh, after the Luna laws, um, there was a new restriction made that uh, not only do you need 6% uh, signatures from 6% of all registered voters in Idaho, you also need uh, signatures from 6% of registered voters in 18 different districts. Uh, since that restriction was uh, put in place, uh, no, no ballot initiative has, uh, has made it. Do you have a sense of why that is, why uh, it's so difficult to get things on the ballot here in Idaho, maybe compared with other states? Well, it's very difficult because of that district requirement. Um, it takes organizing in every um, part of the state. Um, Reclaim Idaho, fortunately, uh, took that strategy and put it to our advantage, um, you know, recruiting leaders from Bonner's Ferry to Driggs, you know, all over the place. Um, Luke Mayville, Emily Strizich, and Garrett Strizich um, started Reclaim Idaho, and they just painted this big camper van green and went around (laughs) the state and um, asked people who are, you know, who are leaders in your area that we can contact, and basically one by one um, talked to people about their idea to solve this crisis. Is that how you got involved? Yes. Yes. Luke asked me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, he he just told me the problem and um, how it could be fixed uh, by expanding Medicaid. And it just made so much sense, not just um, morally, but fiscally, 
too. It's because right now, you know, our county indigent uh, funds and state catastrophic funds are uh, paying for people who get so sick because they aren't covered by insurance. They wait until they're so sick and then they go to the emergency room. And that is the uh, most ridiculously expensive and least effective way to deliver health care. Um, but because they don't have insurance, we all pay for it through our county taxes and our state income taxes. So uh, if we would just accept the, the federal funds that pay 90% of coverage, uh, the, the problem would go away. Uh, people would get uh, preventative health care, and they wouldn't get so sick um, and have to go to the emergency room as much. And Idaho's gotten some national attention because of this, <laughs> of this measure, right? And, we, and so. Yes, it, we have. Um, it took a long time. We, we, <laughs> we kept having press conferences where no one would show up, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, because, and finally, um, it, and, you know, the national media actually picked up on it before uh, the local media, mm. um, BuzzFeed and HuffPost and uh, different, you know, um, mostly online um, uh, media. But I remember Bill Manny from the Statesman came over, rode his bike over, and he came to a press conference that we thought nobody was going to show up at again. And he walked in and stayed for about an hour and a half talking to volunteers and Mm -hmm. and, um, ended up putting it on the cover of the Statesman, uh, the Sunday edition. And I think that was a turning point when volunteers started coming out of the woodwork. Um, That really helped. I wonder if you could sort of paint the picture for us. So I'm living in a small town in Idaho. Maybe it's mostly Republican even. And this crazy bus pulls up and what volunteers <laughs> pile out. What, what does that look like? What, what do you say to folks? How do you get people to show up? Well, mostly um, we ask questions. You know, do you know anyone in the health care coverage gap? Um, are you in the health care coverage gap? Have you heard, are you having trouble uh, paying your health insurance premiums? Because everyone's premiums go up when you have uncovered um, uh, citizens because it just it just costs more when those bills don't get paid. So um, a lot of listening, a lot of collecting of stories, and then you know asking, hey, you know this is we have this idea uh, to put this on the ballot. Would would you be willing to help and not only help, but would you be willing to lead? And uh, you know people people stepped forward. It was really very you know it's it was it made, did my heart good to see all of this cooperation. Um, because when the legislature won't do it, citizens have to step forward and solve the crisis. Does that happen in other states, or is Idaho unique in that it's gone to the <laughs> initiative process? Um, several states uh, have have put forth initiatives. Um, currently, Utah, Nebraska, uh, Virginia just expanded uh, Medicaid in their legislature. Um, but a lot, a Maine did it by by ballot, and that gave us hope. We had already started, and then we're like, mm. "Yes, Maine, Maine did it." So uh, we knew it was possible. And like Luke says, in order for something to happen, it it doesn't have to be um, for sure. It doesn't even have to be probable. It just has to be possible. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to KRBX 89.9. This is the Big Tent. We're here with Sam Sandmeyer. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll be back right after a quick break. Unexplained bacon. Radio Boise. It's like bacon for your ears. 
All right, welcome back. You're listening to KRBX 89.9. This is The Big Tent. Uh, this is Corey Cook. I'm here with one of our co-hosts, Jen Schneider. We're both faculty in the School of Public Service at Boise State University. Uh, we're visiting today with Sam Sandmeyer. Uh, she's with Reclaim Idaho, a longtime uh, Boise State uh, gymnastics coach and now a, an organizer with Reclaim Idaho. And uh, during the break, we're talking a little bit about some of the coalition that's gone into getting this on the ballot and being supportive of Medicaid expansion. Maybe you could talk a little bit with our viewers about that. Sure. Listeners. Uh, They're not viewers yet. <laughs> we're going to expand soon. But, I like that you're dreaming big. Right. Yeah we're, yeah, we're painting a word picture. So you are visualizing yeah, with our listeners. If you can explain a little bit more about the, the coalition. Sure. Um, when uh, Although it's not official until the Secretary of State says it's official, um, we feel certain that uh, we have gathered enough signatures to put Medicaid expansion on the ballot. And um, when, when the last legislative effort failed, um, there were several groups that were working on that uh, legislative solution. They, along with other groups, have now joined the ballot initiative effort. So we're really excited. It's a, um, we formed a nonpartisan coalition called Idahoans for Healthcare, and it includes uh, healthcare providers, doctors, um, physicians, physicians, organizations, hospital organizations, um, uh, organizers, um, community groups, and you know progressives like me. And we are all um, working together to put out the message of what Medicaid expansion can do uh, if people uh, pass Medicaid expansion. So it's been really exciting. It's called Idahoans for Healthcare. And it's a, obviously a massive effort getting this qualified for the ballot. And then, you, if, again, should the Secretary of State uh, sign off on the signatures, then you get to run a statewide campaign. <laughs> right. Um, now, you know, I'm from California, and running a statewide campaign means you got and somehow raise $100 million. How yeah. do you, how in Idaho do you run a statewide ballot campaign? And what does it mean to, this is a complicated issue to a lot of voters. How do you raise enough awareness so they understand the issue? How, what's the, what's the next step in terms of once, the, once this is certified for the ballot? Well, fortunately, Reclaim Idaho um, got the uh, signatures on the ballot on a shoestring because mm-hmm. uh, we're all volunteers. We had one paid uh, person, a 23-year-old Zach Reeder, who's excellent. He's our our field organizer. But uh, the rest of us, including the founders, are all volunteers. So you weren't doing a pay-for-signature approach to this? Well, no, but the Fairness Project, which is a group that uh, works on uh, benefits for working people, they came in and actually uh, used a paid signature gathering mm-hmm. program to put us over the top. Uh, we had already gathered um, about three-fourths of the signatures needed. So that allowed us to focus on the uh, the district uh, requirement, which was, uh, you know, in our opinion, the hard part. Right. <laughs> so, so there was, there were, they did join in a parallel effort mm. um, with that. Now, the coalition will be doing more advertising and and uh, things like that because now we don't just need six percent of the voters; we need fifty-one percent. Right. So it'll be there will be definitely um, some fundraising and and things going on to to um, do the education campaign. Yeah, and and you know I'm a I'm sort of a nerd about this. Uh, Five thirty eight has written a, about this effort, and and they sort of have projected that this has a, a good likelihood of passing in Idaho. What's your sense in terms of of the campaign and, and moving forward and getting the fifty one percent? Well, I I believe it will pass um, because most Idahoans, vast majority of Idahoans, are for this. Most Republicans are for it. Most Democrats are for it. Sixty six percent 
or more are are in favor of closing the health care coverage gap. And if we just do a good job of explaining how uh, expanding Medicaid and accepting those federal dollars will solve that crisis, then I believe it will pass. And then what's next? What's next? Uh, hopefully, um, you know, both of the uh, candidates from the major, the two major parties for governor has said have said they would, they would support or not overturn uh, the law. It, the law would it would become a law immediately. Um, so um, we would expect that that people would start getting their coverage. Um, there may be some some opponents, and um, I'm sure that that will cross that bridge when we come to it. And then the state legislature would have to have to offer some budgetary. Yes, well. they would. They would have to fund uh, this. Uh, if they're smart, they would realize that the federal government is paying ninety percent of the cost, of which they're currently paying a hundred percent with our tax dollars. So I don't think that they would uh, overturn the will of the people either, and and refuse to fund it. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not a political expert. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me wonder, Sam. I mean, what when people. Uh, disagree with what you're trying to do or uh, say I don't support ACA or Obamacare mm-hmm. how, how do you respond or what are some of the major you know criticisms you hear from people or concerns you know I don't really try to guess what why they would be against it I've you know maybe it's just a philosophical um, difference that they have um, it just really doesn't make sense at all fiscally <laughs> and um, and it really is to me abhorrent that you would leave citizens suffering and dying uh, because of a, a political football that you want to throw around. It's just not, it doesn't, it's not right. It's not right. So I hope that they will just accept the will of the people and and be glad that um, people took responsibility for uh, taking action on this. Because I believe that if this uh, last um, narrow the gap um, legislative solution would have come to a vote, it would have passed. It's just leadership failed to bring it to the floor. So, you know, direct democracy is unique in every state, right? And so, again, I'm sort of used to a model where, um, you know, a citizen initiative like this goes into effect. It would include the budgetary piece. The legislature couldn't overturn it by law, mm-hmm. right? And so in some states that's the case where essentially these things become self-activating uh, or self-implementing you know, um, in terms of even budget responsibility. Mm-hmm. It just constrains the legislature but but actually is already um, – effectuate the budget change. In Idaho, this I mean, the legislature could overturn it. The, the legislature could decline to fund it. It's, it's, so it goes in effect as law, but there's still another piece, which is, again, in terms of you know our listeners thinking about this, there, there's still a lot of work ahead. That's right. That's right. And that's why we need to do such a good job of informing everyone, including the legislators, um, what what Medicaid expansion will do for Idaho. And really, the data is all on our side. Um, If you look at all of the states that have expanded Medicaid, they are benefiting financially. And, you know, job growth, I mean, even next door in Montana, uh, millions and millions of dollars have gone back into the pockets of Montanans, and they've had amazing job growth. So I just would hope, I'm not a political expert, but I would hope that that reason would, um, would win out on top. So uh, what I hear you saying is that when you talk to people, it seems like they feel this is a common sense solution to, to sort of real everyday problems they're facing. 
Yes, when we knocked on uh, hundred, uh, tens of thousands of doors uh, throughout the state, uh, people heard what we were doing, and most of them pretty much ripped the petition out of our hands and said, where do I sign? How do I help? Just sign me up to volunteer. It was great. And it didn't really matter what political party they were with. Um, we we find that people just need health care. It's a it's you know fundamental need that that people have. Almost everyone knows someone in the gap and it, the gap is just a human created uh, problem. Um, that was created by refusal to accept these dollars. We accept dollars for roads and schools and, you know, agriculture, tons of federal dollars. In fact, a third of the, what the state spends is, is from the federal government. So why refuse dollars to take care of Idahoans? It just doesn't make sense. All right, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, you are listening to 89.9 KRBX. Uh, this is the Big Tent Radio Show, and uh, we'll be right back after, after just a second. Hey, this is Alejandro Escovedo from Austin, Texas. You're listening to KRBX 89.9 FM, Radio Boise. And welcome back to The Big Ten on KRBX 89.9. We're here with Sam Sandmeyer. Uh, we're talking about uh, Reclaim Idaho and, and some of the work you've been doing around Medicaid expansion. Uh, obviously, you've got a, a lot of work ahead of you. Um, you know, there's opportunities for people to get involved and learn more. What's how, how do they how do they learn more about your efforts? Well, the best way to learn more about the grassroots effort is to go to reclaimidaho.org, and the best way and and you can sign up to help there. We have about a thousand volunteers, and we need even more. Um, and then the new uh, coalition that we've just formed, IdahoansForHealthCare.org, and you spell out F-O-R. So IdahoansForHealthCare.org. And, you know, we're looking for people to join that um, nonpartisan, bipartisan uh, coalition, too. So that's the best way to join us. And, and you know, you mentioned all the, the, the volunteers and, the, and that effort. I mean, you seem to have hacked what a lot of people thought was a, sort of an insurmountable challenge, which was getting, collecting these signatures across the state and having to do that in I mean, very different communities, urban and rural communities, being able to speak to different people about you know, a policy measure that may mean different things in different communities, but the use of volunteers and the door-to-door efforts, sort of meeting people where they are, appears to be part of what you've tried to do. Exactly. It's um, and and I have to credit uh, the founders, you know, Luke Mayville and Emily and Garrett Strizich. They just uh, were masters at going around and uh, sincerely and choosing choosing a, an initiative that that made so much sense. Um, it's just a start. Uh, you know, other things they're interested in. We are interested in doing a uh, revolve around education and and public lands. Um, those are all issues that we believe that Idaho voters, if not legislators, <laughs> can build consensus on. And young people have been a big part of that effort. Young people, you know, it's been great. It's been uh, young people uh, who I've missed working with since I retired uh-huh. from Boise State. And then um, 
old retired people like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great coalition. I love it. But yeah. the young people have been amazing. I'm I'm so impressed with now, with their efforts. We hear a lot about how young people are disengaged and not involved and are not politically aware and don't you know sort of the 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 slacker generation <laughs> in terms of you know slacktivism, right? And <laughs> slacktivism. so you know, we talked a little bit about millennials and the and and you know, obviously you've been thinking a lot about this, but I'm interested in your in your perspective in terms of this generation of folks getting involved in, in campaign and organizing work? Well, a lot of people believe that millennials are entitled and they're, you know, they are coddled by their helicopter parents. And I really haven't found that. The young people that I've come in contact with, whether at Boise State through, you know, athletics or, or uh, through this activism, have been amazing. Uh, they're engaged. They care. They're optimistic. Um, they they have weathered a lot of things that, you know, a lot of um, um, things that have been difficult, like the recession. You know, they come out of school with big debt. They don't have uh, high-paying jobs, yet they can't find affordable housing. And so they they are weathering that. And it's because they're smart. They're really bright. They're adaptable. They're they're dialed in with technology. I mean, you know, I hand my kid my cell phone to program it. And <laughs> so I, they don't you mind know. driving around that bus all over the state. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like their dream to go camping. <laughs> and so it's been really. Um, it's been a, a a great experience for me. I have a young. I have a son who is uh, 22. So he's a millennial. And, you know, they've kind of, as a group, maybe lost faith in, in he would say he doesn't trust really either political party and, and um, taking matters into their own hands is, is a solution that, um, as citizens, I think that they are willing and, and ready to do. Yeah, we certainly see young people uh, not affiliating with either of the political parties. I mean, in an unprecedented degree. Uh, oftentimes what that means in terms of electoral politics is then that neither party mobilizes them. So, you know, in, this, in the, in the uh, 2016 election for the first time, uh, baby boomer, boomers were not the biggest segment of the electorate, but overwhelmingly made up the electorate because millennials didn't vote, even though they were actually the largest generational force. The voter turnout was so low. And so, again, they get, get, millennials get this bad rap as being politically disengaged. Mm-hmm because they aren't voting at the same rates about their generations. Well, I believe that to get millennials to the polls, you need uh, bold candidates who are going to be very clear with new ideas. Um, they will not get off the couch to vote for the same old, good old boy, you know, in suits, white men over and over, they are looking for that new idea and that new person. And I said, well, like Bernie Sanders, he's, you know, old. And, <laughs> and uh, But my son said, well, look at what he was talking about. He was talking about income disparity, which we deal with all of the time. Uh, so it doesn't have to be, you know, the candidate, but the whoever is running needs to appeal to what millennials care about. Um, they care about income disparity. They care about, you know, net neutrality. They care about cannabis. They care about a lot of, um, they care about social social justice. Um, they don't understand why um, people are treated differently when they have different sexual orientations or, or uh, identities. So I, I really think we need the politicians to excite the millennials, um, not the opposite way. 
It also seems like there's something about the story you're telling. There's a profound sense that the system, as it is, is pretty broken. And so what's kind of amazing about Reclaim Idaho is it's gone outside the system. It's <laughs> beat the odds, maybe, even when the system was stacked against it. Right. And maybe that's what we're seeing in electoral politics as well. Well, you know, my generation, I saw Nixon resign. I saw democracy work. I, you know, we believe in democracy. Um, the younger people, you know, they've seen a lot of corruption and um, unchecked mm. corruption. And they've seen money take over. They've seen Citizens United. Um, they've seen the, what money in politics has done. And so they aren't quite as, they're more skeptical of um, our political um um, organization and and democracy in general. They want to see something um, that is that is true and not corrupt. Well, and, and my sense is they also uh, are mobilized differently, right? And so there's sort of traditional political campaigns, maybe with a lot of TV money and that sort of mobilizing strategy, right? Which is you do these big advertising efforts and you spend a lot of money might not be the best way of reaching millennials in terms of activating them politically. Well, that's right. You know, my son lives with four other guys and at University of Utah, they don't have a TV. Right. Uh, we saw in the recent gubernatorial campaign, um, you know, TV ads did not really make a difference um, as, as far as, you know, it was, it was the message, it was going around and meeting face-to-face -face with people and organizations and groups. And, um, you know, without TV, you can still record that uh, and, you know, get it out there on social media and YouTube and, and things like that. And I think that that's what's happening. I think young people are, are connected, they care, and they will, they don't trust, um, like, they don't trust commercials. <laughs> they don't, they don't buy things because they saw a cool commercial about it. They buy things because their friends tried it and they recommended it. Right. So I think it's a whole different world and, and we need to we need to catch up. <laughs> and that is probably the best place to end today's conversation. Catch up, old people. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, this Sam. was great. Thank you. Uh, you're listening into The Big Tent on KRBX 89.9. We'll be back next week with another show and look forward to, Talk to, to you then. talking to you then.